0: It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents.
1: Ninety nine yards away. Win this game for one another.
0: The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Brunner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Ooh.
2: Welcome to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. We've reached fantastic Friday and what a week of high school basketball. It has been here in Birmingham, Alabama, and I'll just get right to it. Michael Bronner. today concluded our Mobile Baldwin County teams being able to participate for a blue map or win a state championship and the St. Luke's boys playing in the 2A boys state championship came up 1 point short of winning that blue map as Aliceville defeats St. Luke's 44 to 43 Aliceville hits a free throw as there were about 3 seconds remaining in the contest Tijerian Williams had gone to the free throw line and was only 1 out of 7 for the game and then turns around and hits his second free throw to go ahead and put Aliceville up by one point. And they ultimately win the state championship in 2A boys basketball 44-43. to Gareth Trawick, the head coach, of St. Luke's had an outstanding season. When you start looking at St. Luke's, really starting the season off very slowly and finishing up at 17 and 11 on the year. A couple of St. Luke's Wildcats were all tournament team members, and that was Brandon Cooks and Mike Miles. They were part of the all tournament team for 2A and Aliceville was up by as many as 12 points in the first half, really in the first quarter, and St. Luke's was able to turn that and flip that and go up by five points themselves in the first quarter. But at the same time, St. Luke's, when you start looking at what I asked or what was told to tell Lee Chavanian this morning what they needed to do to win a state championship, St. Luke's that was, they had to find a way to keep aliceville off of the free throw line aliceville goes to the free throw line 21 times they were 10 out of 21 and st luke's wound up being 10 out of 12 from the free throw line and that really even though st luke's shot the ball extremely well from the free throw line the difference was on the glass rebounding as well as you start giving up 20 offensive rebounds And only have two offensive rebounds that makes it tough st. Luke's out rebounded 41 to 28 and again That's why they came up a little bit short of the state championship But again an outstanding season so when you look back at our mobile teams who participated I know That st. Luke's was able to win that first game and make it to the state championship game, but UMS Wright girls came up a little short, Foley girls, of course, came up short, McGill Tulin's boys and girls came up short, and I've always been asked the question, why is it that the southern half of the state can never get over the hump on a consistent basis, and I don't think that there's necessarily a bad basketball being played at all in the southern part of the state because i know we do everything we can to win a championship but the disparity definitely is there between the north and the south in regards to the state championships that are won michael and you kind of see the same thing in football a little bit you'll have the southern part of the state struggle a little bit to win those state championships
3: yeah i mean you brought up the football thing i think a lot of people thought that uh mountain brook was going to take down Saraland in the state championship there so for for whatever reason I I don't know why that is someone would have to shed some light on it but the southern part of the state does definitely struggle a little bit
2: well you know it's unfortunate but I will say this I did want to start Uh, By of the show by letting everybody know how st. Luke's did fare, and we're going to have a great show for you today Mike Davis will be joining us at 3 30 if that name sounds familiar where it well it should because Mike Davis son was trying to break pistol Pete Maravich's all-time scoring record in Division 1 and was not able to do so, came up only four points short of breaking Pistol Pete's all-time scoring record. And we'll get an opportunity to talk to Coach Mike Davis, who was formerly the head coach at UAB as well as at Indiana and is currently having an opportunity to coach at Detroit Mercy's. And we'll talk with Mike Davis at 3.30. Also scheduled to join us at 4 o'clock, Mark Hudspeth he is the head football coach at Gulf Shores and Gulf Shores will be looking for a new defensive coordinator this year as Paul Rhodes has decided to go ahead and go back to the college ranks in Boston College and he did an outstanding job at Gulf Shores for his one-year tenure there and the people along the Gulf Coast were really lucky to have Paul Rhodes, who was running the show on the defensive side of the football at Auburn a few years ago. And now we'll talk to Coach Hudsmith about what directions and what kind of personnel he would like to implement with the new defensive coordinator. We'll talk to Adra Harris. She is the women's basketball coach at Bishop State Community College. As they're getting ready, to go ahead and enter play and postseason play along with Jim Nagy. And Jim Nagy, of course, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl at 5 o'clock, will give us a wrap up of what he's seen at the combines. And there's been a lot of activity at the combines in regards to, I know that you had some big fellas, over 280 pounds worth of beef, running a 4.49. Forty-yard dash, and that would have been Addie Tamawa, and you try to say that name a couple of times fast. The Northwest Western defensive end, as well as Pitt defensive end Kalaja Kansi, he posted a 4.67. For a 280-pound defensive line, and you know they say speed kills in the NFL, Mike. But when you're running a 449 at over 270 pounds, you can't help but to be impressed with that.
3: Yeah, I, I won't even try to pronounce that name. But uh, I mean, <laughs> there generally are uh, every year some combine warriors. Nolan Smith ran a 439 yesterday. Georgia pass rusher. Uh, he, he was mocked top 10 before the season slipped probably into the second round he had an injury that made him miss the rest of the season for the bulldogs and uh yeah ran like a 439 yesterday uh that's just gonna be that's always the case with the combine you know 40 yard dashes are, are are gonna spark some headlines and you know whether they matter or not is you know up to you i personally I think it also depends on the position. I think 40-yard dashes are read into a bit too much, but
2: certainly a fun thing to talk about. No question about it. Also, when you start looking at topics of interest, in the NBA, of course, you have Steph Curry could make his return to the Lakers this coming Sunday, and we know Steph Curry has been injured trying to battle back and find a way to make the Golden State Warriors a little bit better but if he returns versus the Lakers on Sunday it'll be good for ratings but there won't be any LeBron James as LeBron James is still trying to find a way to get back healthy and it may be three weeks or so before we see LeBron James again playing
3: yeah, and, uh, you know, right after he called it the most, what, what was it, 24 games, most important stretch of his career, he goes down with an injury, which, you know, you hate to see, but I, it doesn't look very good for the Lakers, no doubt.
2: Well, Mike, I know also when you're talking about the Combines, that means that there's free agency, money being thrown around, and you and I will dig deep into discussion about a little bit of money that could be going around as well. And at 5.30, Ryan Dunleavy will be joining us from the New York Post, who covers the Giants and the Jets from a sporting standpoint. And you were talking to me earlier today about Daniel Jones. A lot of people were saying, okay, do you need to keep Daniel Jones in New York or not, being a free agency? And, of course, we know QB country is somewhere he spends a lot of his time down here when he's along the Gulf Coast, but David Moore's does an outstanding job developing quarterbacks, but what kind of money did you say Daniel Jones could possibly be earning?
3: Yeah, the reports coming out today are sounding like it's going to be upwards of $40 million, which would make him the ninth quarterback in NFL history to eclipse that mark, and I understand that quarterback money just goes up and up and up and up, so it's you can't compare Daniel Jones getting 40 million to I don't know Patrick Mahome's getting 50 million three years ago it's it, it just d- is different now uh so numbers wise comparing contracts that are signed today versus three years ago is, is kind of a kind of a pointless conversation but uh for the Giants to hand Daniel Jones that contract yikes I I mean I think it it, it opens up a whole other discussion about you know what? What? What qualifies as as a quarterback that deserves a huge contract? And should you just? You know when when it comes time to to give an average at best, uh, quarterback because Daniel Jones had two really bad years and one pretty good year. Uh, when it comes time to to pay up that quarterback, is it just a better idea to to draft the new guy uh, and start over? But uh, uh, until you hit until you strike gold, but. Yeah, Daniel Jones, it sounds like, is going to agree to a long-term extension with the Giants, and it sounds like the Giants are going to have their hand forced and overpay him.
2: As we were talking about not only football and free agency, we'll continue to talk about that during the next segment. March Madness, of course, is here. And last night in women's basketball, you had Auburn playing Georgia and the Georgia Lady Bulldogs knocked out Auburn and ended their season in the second round of the SEC women's tournament. And to end the nightcap in the SEC women's basketball tournament, Christy Curry and the Alabama Crimson Tide could not hold on to a late lead going into the fourth quarter and fall short. To the Kentucky Wildcats as they win 71 to 58 in the second round of the SEC Women's Tournament. I still think that Christy Curry and the Alabama Crimson Tide women will make the NCAA Tournament, but it's never a good look when you sit there and you exit the first opportunity you have to participate in your tournament.
3: Yeah, that, that'll uh, that'll do it. Uh, you know, it sounds like they're going to be okay, but. Yeah, you had
2: a chance to, to
3: lock it up, win a couple of games, so not not an ideal situation for sure.
2: Well, you're listening to The Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5, and again, we had given away Mobile Boat Show tickets this entire week, so we hope that you would be able to go and enjoy the boat show at the Mobile Convention Center this weekend and again all week long you just had to listen for that motorboat sound and once you heard that you just gave Mike a call at 251-694-1055 but you're listening to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5 a fantastic Friday edition with Corey Labonte and Michael Brauner right here on WNSP 105.5.
4: Hi, this is Dan Jennings with the Washington Nationals, and you're listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5.
2: Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5, a fantastic Friday edition here. Corey LeBounty, along with Michael Brawner taking your phone calls behind the glass at 251-694-1055. I'm still here in Birmingham, Alabama at the 2023 AHSAA State Basketball Championships. And again, I mentioned earlier that Aliceville defeats St. Luke's 44-43. And St. Luke's boys will be coming home with a 2A runner-ups championship trophy, and there's nothing wrong with that because there's a lot of teams in 2A that would love to have had an opportunity to play on the biggest stage in front of all these fans at Legacy Arena and have an opportunity to win a state championship. St. Luke's just comes up one free throw short as Aliceville hits a free throw with less than four seconds remaining to win that championship. And we talked about the difference that free throws can make and we know that that made a difference in the alabama auburn game that was played a couple of days ago alabama continues to get great news as the crimson tide and nate oates get a commitment verbally from four-star shooting guard chris parker today and that's huge for nate oates and again Birmingham, Alabama here, the site of the state championship basketball high school tournament. And here in a couple of weeks, it'll be the site of the first and second rounds of the NCAA tournament. And someone who is from Birmingham, Alabama and knows all about the Alabama Crimson Tide will be joining us next at 3.30, Mike Davis, the head coach at Detroit. Mercy will be joining us again talking about his son Antoine Davis having an opportunity to break Pistol Pete Maravich's all-time scoring record and came up a little short but we'll catch up with Mike Davis here in just a moment and we talked about the Auburn Alabama game yesterday as Alabama came from 17 points down and found a way to win that game but more importantly Bruce Pearl had talked about the importance of these next two games being that Alabama game as well as the Tennessee game. And officially today, Cardwell was ruled out for the Auburn Tigers, and he will not be taking the floor, kind of as expected for Coach Bruce Pearl. And that's a tremendous loss when you start talking about Dylan Carr, Cardwell not being able to play for Bruce Pearl, but the Tennessee Volunteers. Cardwell may be able to come back from his ankle injury, but it's hard, and we know there won't be a return for the rest of this season for Ziegler, the defensive stopper point guard for the Tennessee Volunteers, Mike. Yeah, I, I, I
3: mean, I'll, I'll spare, even though we were off the air yesterday, I, I'll spare everyone who might not have been listening yesterday from from the Bruce Pearl joke smashed clip uh, for like the 80th time, as, as I'm sure everyone he- heard it. But uh, on a more serious note, no, Auburn Auburn has to win tomorrow. Uh, and they, they really should win tomorrow. It's not like – I mean, Tennessee is obviously a lock for the tournament. Uh, and Auburn is very much on the bubble at this point. And, you know, we said – Going into these last six games, they had three very winnable games and then three very difficult games. They dropped one of those very winnable games in Vanderbilt, uh, in Nashville. And now, you know, we'll go, they go up to Lexington and get destroyed. Obviously, what happened in Tuscaloosa on Wednesday happened. Uh, and now you have a, a one last chance at home probably to lock up an NCAA tournament bid. I, I think if you win tomorrow, you, you even if you lose in – your first game of the SEC tournament, you're going to be okay, and and likely make the NCAA tournament. But yeah, I mean, this is this is your opportunity. Like like we said yesterday, I, you know, I hate to hate to. Bring up Ziegler's torn ACL as as a positive for Auburn, but it is a positive for Auburn because they really need to beat Tennessee, Uh, and Zakai Ziegler is their best player, who is obviously not going to be on the court tomorrow for the Volunteers. So, uh, it's just the game you have to win. Uh, Your last home game of the season, your last game of the regular season. Auburn's two and eight in quad one games right now, so this is an opportunity to grab a quad one game, a resume build. They don't have like a good resume building win right now they had a pretty weak non-conference schedule and they're nine and eight in the sec so you drop to nine and nine in the sec with a pretty weak non-conference schedule and that'd be 19 and 12 overall that's not a tournament team it's just not unless you make a run in the sec tournament i'm not saying they're not good enough to be a tournament team because they are they they just haven't closed out a lot of a lot of games best example being uh wednesday against alabama uh that's just kind of been their issue all year they haven't they're a solid team that hasn't been able to close games out and, and now you got to beat tennessee Gu- give guarantee yourself above 500 in the sec get your 20th win of the season and uh and grab a, a third quad one win on the season
2: well i will say this for the auburn tigers if for some reason they do not make the ncaa tournament they will be the best nit or second postseason team player, uh, players that, that we will see because, again, Texas A&M, when they got snubbed a year ago, we saw them go all the way to the NIT championship, and they really wanted to prove a point, weren't able to capitalize and win it, but 20 wins in a season, I think that I would take those 20 wins with Auburn getting into the NCAA tournament. I, I think that they're better than a NIT tournament, but they definitely, to their advantage, they will have a home court advantage against the Tennessee Volunteers, and because of that, Neville Arena in the Jungle, to me, are going to give Bruce Pearl that smash mentality huh. and take away that joke mentality of them not making the NCAA tournament, Mike.
3: Yeah, I mean, again, like I said, this team is talented enough and good enough and and should be a tournament team like we we the we didn't talk about before the season at all the idea that this team could not be a tournament team and if they had closed some some teams out like they should have we wouldn't be having this discussion right now as to whether they there was any chance that they could miss making the tournament but like i said they've struggled to close teams out all, all season and, and now they find themselves in this position. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Absolutely, but I, th- I mean, I think they get it done tomorrow against against the shorthanded Tennessee in the jungle.
2: I think they get it done as well. And again, you, you're talking about a fired-up, motivated Bruce Pearl to where the crowd is going to be feeding off of his energy. They always feed off of his energy, especially in the jungle. And it is if not the best, second to best in the entire country when it comes to the fans sitting right down on top of you and really being swinging from the rafters, literally, because when that place is rocking and it's standing room only the way it's been the last couple of years. You saw the way that they were camping out for college game day when Alabama came to town on that Saturday. But the the atmosphere will definitely be electric at Neville Arena tomorrow, and we look forward – to seeing if the Auburn Tigers can get to 20 wins and get over that hump. Now, when we come back here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5, scheduled to join us will be Mike Davis, former head coach at Indiana, former head coach at UAB, and currently coaching his son at Detroit Mercer, and we'll talk all about that coming up next here on the final drive.
1: Hey, this is Stuart Sink from the PGA Tour. You're listening to WNSP, Sports Radio in Mobile.
2: Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. I'm Corey LaBounty behind the glass back down in Mobile, Alabama is Michael Brawner taking your telephone calls at 251-694-1055 and as we're working trying to get coach Mike Davis on the phone with us, Mike Davis is the former head coach at UAB along with Indiana as well and when you start looking is that Mike Davis really made history when you start talking about not only his time at Alabama but taking over for Bobby Knight at Indiana and then had a lot of success also when he left UAB went down to Texas Southern, and at Texas Southern, he had a lot of success there in going to the NCAA tournament, and his son, Mike Davis Jr., is on staff with him there at Detroit Mercy, and when you also have a son that was four points away from breaking it, breaking the record i think that that part is unbelievable when you look at the amount of pistol pete's points three thousand six hundred and sixty four career points and that's how many career points that coach mike davis son and Antoine davis did have and i really thought last night that he was going to go ahead and break that record as Detroit Mercy—they did lose seventy-one to sixty-six and came up a little bit short. And I know Michael's efforting trying to get Coach Davis on, but I, I think that it's it's really tough for people to try to say this record is one that Pistol Pete set in his very short time at LSU, and Antoine Davis might have set it with a plus. One year with COVID, and I think that no matter how you look at it, any time that you can suit up and put on a uniform and never, ever not score in double figures as a collegiate basketball player, having double figures every time you put on that uniform, I think that that's very special. And, Mike, I know you're working and efforting. Do we have any luck trying to get Coach Davis on the line with us?
3: Should have momentarily. One sec.
2: All right, so we're still working on getting Coach Davis patched through. But again, his son had 22 points last night as Detroit Mercy came up a little short to Youngstown State in the Horizon League quarterfinals and left him with 3,664 career points. And I, I, I still say that anytime that you can be mentioned with the greatest pistol Pete Maravich that's pretty tough company and i know that as a father seeing your son have a lot of success and almost breaking pistol pete's record that part is awesome as well and i just think that like one of the spectators here said i think that you know, with no three-point line with Pistol Pete Maravich playing, against still having an opportunity to be mentioned and break any type of record, regardless of whether it's a four-year record or a five-year record, to be mentioned in the same breath and to have that chasing accomplishment is often. And I think we do have Coach Davis on the line with us this evening. Coach Davis, good evening and welcome to the final drive here on WNSP with Corey LeBounty and Michael Bronner.
5: Uh, Thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you.
2: No, Coach, I can't thank you enough. It's been a while since we've been able to catch up, and I know I'm here in your city in Birmingham, Alabama, watching these state basketball finals here as midfield is trailing Plainview and Robbie Coker 35-31 to 31, with less than a minute to go in the fourth quarter of play. But we've had a phenomenal week of basketball action, and, you know, basketball action has been hot and heavy for Detroit Mercy and- and your team and especially watching your son, Antoine Davis, chase Pistol Pete's record. How much fun has that been for you, Coach?
5: You know, it's been great for everybody. Uh you know, I grew up on Pistol Pete, so I respect everything he's done. He was the uh measure stick of being a scorer and a ball out of the pass and all the above, and to have my son in the in the uh this conversation is, is,
2: is, is remarkable. Well, coach, it's not even—it's not just about having your son sit there and be mentioned with Pistol Pete. It's the fact that you have an opportunity to coach him, and him never ever being in single digits while he laced up the tennis shoes playing for his dad. How much time did he put in extra in the gym, and was? You know, I know growing up around basketball, of course, you had your son, Mike Davis Jr., who coached with you as well. But just to see that legacy continue on, how proud of a papa are you, and how do you separate father from coach?
5: Well, it's hard to separate. uh, But at the same time, you know, he put so much work in. If I told you some of the things he did – Uh, you'll be like, wow, that's that's unbelievable. You know, he's taken he's taken, he shot 30,000 shots, you know, in six days period before the week, but we normally take shots off. He even shoot 30,000 shots, and he's done that 18 different times. 18 different times, 30,000 shots, and the most shots he ever taken in one day was 10,000. So, he put so much work into it, and it it, it, it paid off for him, because for him to have You know, every game he's played in college basketball, every single game, you know, he's scored in double figures, and I don't think that record would ever be broken right there. That's a record that, you know, 144 straight double-figure games is amazing.
2: It really is. And, I mean, your son came in averaging more than 28. Points per game, and I know that you know it is March Madness in time for the tournament to start. And I know you guys did lose last night to Youngstown State, but do you really feel that there'll be an opportunity for you guys to continue to play? Because again, there's so many postseason tournaments that are available to where. Name of the game is just playing basketball. If you're not in March Madness, if you're not in the NIT, I know there's the CBI, and I know there's other tournaments that possibly Detroit Mercy can look to getting into.
5: Well, we would love to play. We would love to play because not just for the record, but we, uh, unfortunately, did this year had some of our better players to miss, you know, 12, 14 games. And we, we, we've only had two stars to play. In every game this year, we've had guys, uh, two starters, what was out for the remainder of the year, and they probably missed 18 games. And so we're just now starting to play our best basketball right now. And for us to be able to play some more and be able to get over 500 and be able to compete for a championship, you know, it it would be big for our program. Really, really big for our program.
2: Well, Coach, I tell you what, I, what's been big is your experience when it comes to March Madness, whether it's at Alabama, whether it's at UAB, whether it's at Indiana, just a lot of success that you've had at Texas Southern as well. You go dancing a couple of times in the swack. And, what, you know, when you get to this time of year, is there any other better feeling than, than arriving for March Madness or having an opportunity to, to play? Not only for a conference championship, but for a national championship on the biggest of stages as well. Well there's no
5: bigger feeling than this plan in march if If, if you plan in any of those events in March, you know because the season is winding down and when you lose you're done you, you know season's over, some careers over, and there, there's no better feeling than and then more that you plan when other teams are not playing and so uh hopefully we can get into something last year. We played, we was under five last year. Uh, we, we had five home games uh, canceled last year because of the virus. And and what people don't understand about Antoine too, is like he's missed like 19 games because of the COVID, you know? And so uh, I was just happy the NCA did something about that for some of these players uh, at the same time the year that the virus broke out, a lot of seniors didn't get a chance to play the next, they didn't get a chance to finish their season out because of the virus. And so I felt really bad for them because they didn't get a chance to finish it out. And for all the ones that got a chance, like like, like Antoine, to play, they say it's an extra year, but when you look at it, you know, he only plays 144 games. And that's when you come and say, well, there's tons of guys that play way more games than him in a in, in college career, He's not even in the top 300 when it comes to 400 when it comes to games played, you know, in their college career, just because of the games that he missed. You know, and for him to be able to play in March and, and play in another event, you know, I would, I would, I would, I would welcome it from the standpoint of us trying to go win a championship and, and get better as a
2: team. We're speaking with Mike Davis. He's currently the head coach at Detroit Mercy, and I tell you, Coach, you know, the weather is a little bit different in Detroit than it is in Birmingham or definitely in Mobile, Alabama, because here in Birmingham today, it's almost 77 degrees, and I I know that you love this southern weather, and just to be able to continue to be able to coach whether that is at detroit mercy or wherever it is that you may be moving forward i know that you are so passionate about the game coach wim sanderson earlier this week when i talked to him he was talking about the type of difference maker that you were for him as an assistant coach as well so coach davis i know I wanted to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk about your son and your program as well as kind of keep us up to date on how things are going for Detroit Mercy and one of the players that I know you recruited at Indiana got away and decided to go to Auburn, Mac McGadney. He still talks very highly of you as well, coach.
5: Well, Mac and I are really good friends. I told him that he can't play for uh, Indiana did a great job I was, you know, a great guy uh you know I'm, I'm just I'm just when you recruit you know high school kids and you see them grow up into men and and it's a sense that they're having you know it makes you feel proud no matter where they go you know if they come play for you they don't come play for you but you just want them to be successful in life and you see what, what he's doing now is definitely a, a proud moment for me just because i I, I recruited him out of
2: high school no question about it coach mike davis it's been a long time since i've had an opportunity to speak with you and i i can't tell you how happy i am not only for mike davis jr but for antoine davis as well and i'm hoping you guys will get some more postseason opportunities so he can go ahead and hold and break pistol pete's all-time division one scoring record because it's definitely been the talk of college basketball over the last couple of weeks and you just continue to take care of yourself and God bless you coach I appreciate you uh, thinking about me
5: having me on that's, that's a big artist for me thank you so much
2: Mike Davis joining us here on the final drive with Corey LeBounty and Michael Brawner right here on WNSP
6: 105.5 Hey this is Dabo Sweeney You're listening to WNSP 105.5.
2: Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. I want to thank Mike Davis for taking time out again. He is currently the head coach at Detroit Mercy as his son Antoine Davis came up just a little bit short during the regular season. I'm hoping that he'll get an opportunity here in postseason play to, to find a way to break that record, Mike. But 3,000. 664 career points. That is unbelievable when you start looking at him having averaging 28 points per game this year. And again, Pistol Pete with no three-point line, averaged 44.2 points in just 83 games in three seasons as freshmen could not play back in the day. And You know, that is huge when you start looking about even being mentioned like a name with Pistol Pete, and he did set the NCAA record for 588 three-pointers with 159 this season. So he is going to be in the history books, and again, always scoring in double figures, Mike. That's unbelievable.
3: Yeah, that is unbelievable. (laughs) Also, it really just puts into perspective how incredible Pistol Pete was. I mean, 44 points a game with no three-point line in three years is uh, is absurd. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do hope Antoine Davis gets the chance to break it.
2: Well, here as the 3A Boys State Championship game just concluded, we had a barn burner where Plainview and Robbie Coker defeat Birmingham's midfield 40 to 37 here 40 to 37 a half-court shot that would have tied it Goes off of the back rim and is no good and midfield comes up a little bit short 40 to 37 winners and again we talked about st luke's boys losing a heartbreaker as well so we've had two boys games that really have gone down to buzzer beater situations as Aliceville defeats st luke's 44 to 43 and midfield loses 40 to 37 and we'll go ahead and when you start looking at what's coming up in the second hour we'll talk to mark hudspin From Gulf Shores High School, he has a defensive coordinator vacancy available as we will talk to him about Paul Rhodes leaving his staff. And we'll also talk to Coach Adra Harris from Bishop State Community College with the women's basketball side of things getting started in postseason play.
0: Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it!
2: Welcome to hour number two of The Final Drive with Corey Labonte and Michael Brawner here on WNSP 105.5 and want to thank everyone who was able to tune in and listen to the first hour as we talked with Mike Davis, who is the head coach at Detroit Mercy. Of course, he was also the head coach at Texas Southern also Indiana the Hoosiers and taking over for Bobby Knight and also of course here in Birmingham at UAB and I'm located here at Legacy Arena this week as we've been crowning state champions here in high school basketball in the AHSAA and a lot of activity going on not only in basketball but in football as well as we look and we see Steve Mask be hired at Theodore and And also we have Bobby Parrish, who retires at Cottage Hill Christian Academy and now at Gulf Shores. It's a pleasure to be joined by their head coach, Mark Hudspeth, who today had to go ahead and say, all right, I'm going to put out resumes for a new defensive coordinator because his defensive coordinator, Paul Rhodes, has stepped off and gone to Boston College back in the college ranks." And on the final drive, want to welcome Coach Hudspeth into the final drive this afternoon. Coach, good afternoon.
4: Hey, good, good afternoon, Corey. Thanks for having us all.
2: It's always a pleasure talking with you, Coach. And let's talk about your overall historic season, first and foremost. 11-2 for the Gulf Shores Dolphins program. You guys finish up the season losing in the third round of Faith Academy, 20-14. But uncharted waters for the Dolphins this past season and going 11-2. Well, excited,
4: excited about the foundation that we're laying. Uh, you know, year one, we went six and four, first winning season in 12 years. And then, you know, this year is able to take a, another step in the right direction, winning 11 and going to the quarterfinals. But so many good programs down here, a lot of great coaches. So it's it's a challenge every week. But uh, proud of the foundation we're laying and a lot of the things that are Happening here at Gulf Shore, especially building the new school and new football facilities, which have have broken ground as they've started to move dirt. So we're excited about the future, especially uh, once we get into our new facilities and new indoor and all that in the, in the near future. And that will be ready by season uh, 25.
2: Well, I tell you what, I look forward to seeing you guys get after it in May and coming for the spring game because it's always so hospitable when you come down to Gulf Shores and you guys do a phenomenal job really promoting your program and doing everything first class. And again, when you are only going to be as a head coach you're only going to be as good as your assistant coaches and i know as the head coach it is your responsibility to make sure that you find the best fit for your program but you've done a phenomenal job and when you were able to bring on the defensive coordinator paul rhodes and all his experience being a former defensive coordinator at auburn and just with all his relationships whether it be from utah state to pacific to pittsburgh to to Arkansas, to Arizona. It, it, there's just so much value that he was able to bring to what it takes to get to the next level for your young men.
4: But just to have a guy, like you said, of his caliber, with his experience, 30 years in, in Division I and just about all of those in Power 5. And so he's been around some outstanding coaches and players and been in some great programs, been a head coach, been a coordinator. So his experience he brought in. Uh, was was amazing for not only for our players to be around that type of teaching each day uh, on the field in the, uh, in the you know off season program within you know the football school part of it, but also with our coaching staff, how he's able to develop the, the defensive coaches. And you know a lot of coaches they go to a clinic and pay, pay money to go to a clinic to listen to someone like Paul Rhodes for 45 minutes. Well, our coaching staff, including myself, you know, we get the guy all day long year round. And so it's just a coaching clinic every single day where he's, he's pouring out some experience some knowledge and we're getting to run things past him on why he does this and what he thinks about this. And, and the the ideas that he brought into our program were tremendous. And, and obviously being the five, a defensive coordinator of the year proved, you know, uh, what he's capable of. And we had our best defensive year in school history. And so just proud of proud of him. But I'm proud of his opportunity now. I'm, I could not be more excited for him. Chance to go to back to the Power Five, go to Boston College, uh, and help one of his uh, longtime friends there. Uh, so I'm excited for him and his wife, Vicky. Great opportunity for him. And uh, I'm just proud that, uh, you know, he had a chance to come through Gulf Shores and save that year with us.
2: We're speaking with head coach at Gulf Shores High School, and that's Mark Hudspeth, who is the head coach at Gulf Shores High School. And, Coach, I know when it comes down to, again, the dedication and going all out from a football standpoint, you guys have been extremely blessed with, again, iron, sharpening iron with your coaching staff and just continuing to try to find that fit. But more importantly, what happens now is as Coach Rhodes does exit, he is very aware of a lot of the great talent, not only in 5A Region 1, 6A, 7A. He's able to see a lot of the talent that has been down here and a lot of the teams that you guys have played against. He could possibly put that bug in his head coaches here at Boston College to where young men would have the opportunity now to be recruited by Boston College, where, whereas otherwise they might not have been
4: yeah i feel pretty confident we're probably going to get three of our guys offered by boston college in the near future and so and that's going to be a big plus because he knows the type of talent this year and uh he's worked with them personally and so he not only knows the the talent level but he know you know he knows the integral parts that that you really can't evaluate from afar a lot of times as a college coach you know Character of a kid, work ethic of a kid—you know—is his really in-depth backgrounds. You know, he's been he's been in the foxhole with these kids, so he knows what they're about. And uh, I'm excited about the opportunities that he can provide for some of these guys moving forward. Also, so it's uh, it's been a great year, and and but uh, couldn't be more excited for him. And you know, obviously, it's pretty cool when when a power five guy comes and gets your coaches when they're doing that. I think you know you're hiring the right type of people.
2: Not only hiring the right type of people, let's talk about when you guys will get started because, again, some Auburn, of course. In college football, started this past Monday, and in high school, it's a little bit later because it gets pushed back to where a lot of people's spring games aren't until mid-May or the end of May. I think the Dolphins, your team, is scheduled to start spring training right around mid-April, and you guys will probably go inner squad if I'm not mistaken.
4: We are. We will start mid-April. We'll have four weeks of spring practice. And uh, we're going to do an air squad this year for one of the main reasons is when you play an opponent, you know, you really you lose a little bit of the last two or three practices uh, because, you know, you're working on sort of game planning and preparing for the opponent. And uh, in the spring, we're more worried about ourselves, and we want to make sure we get every bit of fundamental work, competitive work uh, in every one of those practices uh, and worry less about the opponent because we're going to have plenty of opponents in the fall. So we've got to get ready for a, for an outstanding St. Michael's team first game at home next year. And so uh, we're, we'll be doing an inter-squad on uh, May May 12th. And so it'll be a, a great opportunity for our kids to get out to compete against each other and we'll get an opportunity to play more kids in a game-like environment doing that than we would against an opponent when you're trying to win the game.
2: Coach
3: uh, Ronnie Royal, obviously coming off a coming off a big season, very versatile player on your offense. Do you, I? I don't want to ask you to reveal uh, reveal too much publicly, but uh, are there are there new plans and, and new ways to get him involved? Obviously, you know it's such a versatile player.
4: Well, you know, last year I thought going from year one to year two, we did a much better job. Year one, you know, it was sort of a one horse team. He was the running back, and, you know, we turned around and hand him the football, and that's really all. We We didn't have as many weapons around him, and so all the 11 guys on defense could really just cue right in on him, and he still had an outstanding year. This year, we moved him to slot. That was his main position, but he also played running back X and Z as well as Wildcat quarterback, and so we was able to really keep try to keep defenses off balance of knowing where he's going to line up, and that, that really helped us get the ball in his hands in in, a, in, in much more different ways than just uh, in the backfield uh, with the run game.
2: Not only Ronnie Royal, you look at the defensive side of the of the football and you have somebody like Otto Brewer III or Kingston Lowe that would definitely difference makers for your squad on the back end. Sometimes Ronnie Royal, when you would put him back there, would have an opportunity, but... Gardner the fourth is taking a preferred walk on and I think that's a huge step for him to go ahead and prove his worth and to show what he's all about. But defensively, whoever inherits that coordinator job, the cupboard's definitely not gonna be bare. It's certainly not. You
4: know, you've got Braden Jackson at a corner, you got you know, Isaiah Hammock returning and he's gonna be a scholarship player for us. Uh, and then Kingston Lowe, both of those guys playing, you know, the linebacker position. And you got Otto Brewer. Uh, you know, we've got a, a lot of the core. Most of the defensive core is back, and and so I'm really excited about uh, what we have returning. And uh, we got a lot of young kids moving up. Had a huge upcoming ninth grade class with about almost 40 in that class. You know, last year we dressed 65. I think this year. As a roster looks now, we're going to be around ninety. So, you know, we're growing and uh, getting better each 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 week and each each month, and hopefully each each year as we continue laying a foundation uh, and, and instilling our culture in our program.
2: Well, now is definitely the time to get better in the off season is when you win championships and head coach Mark Hutzpeth from Gulf Shores High School joining us this afternoon on the final drive to not only talk about his program that continues to blossom and get better when they're going to be starting the spring as well as them going inter-squad scrimmaging at the middle of May and coach you know I definitely will stay in touch with you and look forward to getting down to Gulf Shores, Alabama, to watch the Dolphins get after one another in the spring. And can't wait because fall football will be here before you know it, Coach. Hey, we're looking forward to having you down. We may suit you up, Corey, since you still
4: got a little... Well, eligibility left and check you out a little bit when you come down. And, and Coach, you would have
2: to sign me to a heck of an NIL deal to get any more eligibility out of me. I can promise well, you that, Coach. Well
4: listen, no, I, thank you so much. I know much. you keep up with this. I know you keep up with us on Twitter and uh follow all our workouts and I think our social media department could be one of the best in the country at the high school level probably better than most uh, small colleges and follow us at gshs dolphins and you know check us out see what we do with our kids you know we do a lot to promote our players and uh, we love our community getting to see what what we're doing each day and our training and our players and and promoting our players for the next level and so I've been really proud of that, and our kids really, really enjoy that part of it too. So check us out at GSHS Dolphins on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And and I'll be looking for you this spring.
2: Thank you so much, Coach. Always a pleasure to catch up with you. And Mark Huntsman, we've been talking with here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5.
4: This is Jim Nagy, the executive director of the
1: Senior Bowl. You're listening to WNSP
2: 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty here at Legacy Arena in Birmingham, Alabama, where we've seen some outstanding high school basketball being played throughout this entire weekend. St. Luke's comes up a little bit short today not being able to win that blue map that they wanted instead they will come home with the red map but there's nothing wrong with that at all coming home with that red map and again that signifies being a state runner up Aliceville defeats St. Luke's 44 to 43 and Mike I tell you while we're talking basketball, we can also talk college football because we do know that they are having the NFL Combines going on in a, at 5 o'clock or so. We'll be talking to Jim Nagy about what he's been witnessing and seeing at the NFL Combines. But the NCAA, we talked earlier in the week about the rule changes or proposals that have been made and I think that those are going to go into effect for 2023 and one of the biggest rules is the game clock wouldn't stop after first downs except after the first final two minutes of a half and that kind of brings that and synchronize it with what goes on in the NFL teams can no longer call consecutive timeouts to ice the kicker And also penalties at the ends of the first and third quarters would carry over to the first play of the next quarter. And that means there's no untimed down at the end of the quarter. And I think that it will be official on April the 20th. But these really these new rules are look like is what's going to happen. Mike, it looks like those rules are what's going to happen in college football.
3: Yeah, um, You were talking about the, the schedule rotation?
2: No, absolutely. I was talking about the new rules that were going on within college football and what we were going to be seeing as we were talking about the rule change changes being proposed, and I think they're going to actually go into effect here, actually being stamped official April 20th
3: including the uh what what was the craziest one there i i can't I can't even remember i I was for the no more clock stoppages on the first down, on on first downs that that wasn't that isn't necessary it makes games take longer uh what well what, what, what remind me of the other three
2: well what we also had was the rule change of where first downs where the clock continues to run except for the final two minutes of that game that was one of the big things that they had been talking about and i think it's going to go ahead and get approved as well but i, I don't know whether you like that rule or not but i'm definitely for it
3: yeah i i don't think clocks uh need to stop after for after a first down uh it's one of the things that ma- that makes obviously commercial breaks as well and 20 minute half times but uh you know college football games don't need to take 4 hours
2: i don't think they need to take longer than three and a half hours either. But at the same time, when we do implement the rule changes, it'll be something that coaches will have to make the adjustments to going into the fall and icing the kicker. No back-to-back timeouts. I think that that's just – it will speed up the game. But normally when you do see those back-to-back timeouts, it's no longer than a 30-second timeout anyway.
3: Yeah, I mean – That that's about how it should be.
2: You think back-to-back timeouts still should not be called? I mean, you 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 think that if I'm a kicker, do you've seen some coaches wait until the last moment? The kicker goes ahead and kicks the ball, and the fans go timeouts and it it doesn't count. So. I don't know if that, that that rule necessarily would speed the game up I, I'm not quite sure on that one yeah I, I don't think it
3: that's a time thing it's just you can't use uh, I comparing it to the NFL you can't use multiple timeouts at once uh, but I, I don't really have an issue with that one specifically it doesn't make games take longer I don't think it, it's been odd when when you call three timeouts in a row like
2: that Well, from a timeout standpoint, we're going to take one here on WNSP in the final drive. It's a fantastic Friday here, and we'll be talking with Bishop State Community College women's head basketball coach next here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5.
1: Hi, this is ESPN founder Bill Rasmussen, and you're listening to WNSP Mobile.
2: Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. It's 4.30, and I tell you, 4.30 on a Friday. It's 5 o'clock somewhere, but what we have to have first here is our next guest, who is here at Legacy Arena with me in Birmingham, Alabama, and she's on the recruiting trail Trying to find her some future, Lady Wildcats coach Adra Harris is the Lady, excuse me, Lady Wildcats head coach, and she's done a phenomenal job coming in from the high school ranks at Carver Montgomery and. She's known along the Gulf Coast because she played her high school hoops at St. Paul's and had a lot of success when she was a hooper there and took that on and has continued to have success, whether it's at the professional level as a semi-pro coach or whether it's the Lady Wolverines. She had... I tell you what, folks, walking the sidelines in her high heels, uh, Coach could coach in those high heels and get it done. She was even in a defensive stance when she had her high heels on on the sidelines when she was the Carver Montgomery Lady Wolverines coach here, making it to the Final Four. But now she's at Bishop State. We're happy to have her along the Gulf Coast. Coach, good afternoon, and thanks for joining us. Coach, I tell you, it's one of those situations to where taking over at Bishop State, a women's basketball program that had won a couple of state championships under Coach Turner, you're having an opportunity to change the culture there, and so far, so good. In year number one, there was a lot of progression, Yes, sir. and this year, you've continued to get better. How excited Are you to be at Bishop State Community College and come back home to Mobile, Alabama?
7: Well, I'm super excited. Uh, When the opportunity uh, came about, uh, you know, my interest was was truly piqued, and it was definitely a moment of clarity for me because I feel like I had... Uh, done enough on the high school level to be ready to go on um, to be a college head coach. Um, So to be able to go on to the JUCO level, to go back home where it all began for me, um, you know, growing up in Mobile and going to high school there, um, it's just really cool to come back after 20 years. Because when I went off to Alabama State in 2001 I I, um, you know progressed there in the coaching world and coached at Alabama State for eight years and then I was seven years head coach at Carver so I had been in Montgomery for years so to be able to get an opportunity to come back home where I actually fell in love with the game um, was definitely one of the uh, uh, one of the greatest moments of my life as far as in my coaching career and being able to you know you know, follow my purpose and, and, and my dream of one day, you know, going on to be a Division One head coach. So this is a, a, a great stepping stone for me. Uh, Bishop State has been amazing. Um, and like you said, to be able to come back to the Gulf Coast is, is uh, truly a blessing.
2: Well, not only being able to come to the Gulf Coast, just continuing to, to continue put out players who are having an opportunity. When you take the junior college right, route, whether it's I didn't get the offer that I wanted out of high school, I didn't have the grades that I needed coming out of high school, or I just wanted an opportunity to not go to a four-year school and be get a little fish in a big pond, just having an opportunity to first. There's numerous reasons why people take the junior college route. and right. To me, there's absolutely nothing wrong with taking the junior junior college route because again your school is paid for yes. you're having an opportunity to continue your education and continue to become better and you produced a young lady that came down here to Mobile Alabama went to your alma mater Alabama State yes was an all-conference player for you at Bishop State and she I continues to be a player of the year yes. at Bishop State Community College but she put in major work for the Alabama State Lady Hornets this year as they're starting four.
7: Yeah, Cordasia Harris, I actually talked to her today. i very proud of her. And uh, it, it's, it's a funny story about that situation. I was at Carver at the time and, uh, you know, Coach Terry, Who's at Lanier now? You know, he reached out to me, and I was always just in the position to try to help other kids in surrounding areas. And uh, you know, he reached out to me about Cordesia and Derica, and uh, you know, I called Coach Eager, and and I said, you know, these are two kids that you want to have, and so everything worked out with them. And not to come to find out, I'm going to be their I was going to be their coach one year was really really cool. So to be able to see her grow as she has, you know, it has been truly amazing. I'm super proud of her and, uh, you know, going on to, to have, you know, big dreams of being Division One, but coming to the junior college level and getting developed first, I think it's really, really important because, you know, every kid's not going to get that phone call um, of Division One offer right away because, uh, you know, the, real, the reality of it is, you know, with COVID and the portal, and this is something I tell my recruits, you know, it's really hard for for great freshmen, you know, they're getting overlooked, you know, and and the ones that are going then D1, you know, they're not playing right away. So why not come to the junior college level where you can get experience and get developed and then be able to go on to the next level? I have some freshmen that play for me right now that already have division one offers. And so uh, the whole point of me getting the JUCO job was for me, for me to be able to help them to get to the next level. You know, I don't when they come to Bishop, I don't try to hold them hostage if they want to leave after their first year. if They feel like they're ready with their family to make that decision. You know, that's what we're here for, you know, for them to to be able to grow and be able to excel on the next level.
2: Well you definitely were able to grow in your time at Alabama State. And there's a, a guy I know, his name is Travis. <laughs> and Travis is now known to and by people at South Alabama in the media who introduces and sets up all of Kane Womack's press conferences and does a phenomenal job for South Alabama in the communications department and outstanding job he did at Alabama State when Absolutely. he was there when they came down here with Mo Williams and played two years ago here at the Mitchell Center. I had an opportunity to meet him as Alabama State's sports information director and he was a man of many hats there at yes. Alabama State and now he's come down and put his expertise on us folks here in Mobile, Alabama at South Alabama and I know he told me <laughs> that uh, you know he
7: he, he he helped your coaching career a little bit. <laughs> yes, Travis is my agent, guys. That's why I'm going to go ahead and disclose that information now. I love it. Shout man. out to Travis. Travis, is uh, he was an amazing uh, uh, asset to us at Alabama State. You know, we were sad to lose him, but um, when he got the job at South and, you know, I ended up at Bishop, it was really good because he's a good friend of mine and, uh, you know, always a, a big inspiration to me. But um, he's someone who is definitely moving and shaking in the industry and has been doing some great things. So, uh, shout out to you, Travis. <laughs> <laughs>
2: No doubt about it. Now, let's talk about your Lady Wildcats and where you guys postseason play. March Madness is here. You're on the recruiting trail here in Birmingham, Alabama, trying to find future Lady Wildcats. And when does the tournament start, the ACCC tournament, as well as where Bishop State will be seated and who you guys will be played?
7: Okay, so it starts on uh, March the 7th. The men play first on March the 7th. And then the women we play on March the 8th Uh, our game is at 12 noon. We're going to be playing at Alabama A&M University um, their new facility down there a beautiful facility Um, We actually had an opportunity to go and practice there earlier this year um, when we uh, played over at Calhoun. So uh, we've been able to visit it and tour the place. Um, It's really awesome. So I think this is going to be a great move for our conference to be able to go and have a facility of that magnitude, but also being able to play on a neutral floor. Um, I think it's super important um, for everybody to be able to come in um, and be able to have the same confidence that's opposed to playing on somebody's home floor, you know what I mean? So uh, we're excited about it. Uh, we just had our, our conference meeting um, the other day and so all of the coaches are really excited about um, going to have that opportunity to be able to play on a division one um, you know in a D- division one environment um, and it would have been HBCU and, and a SWAC school you know um, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for the opportunity for my girls because uh, that's recruiting too you know
2: when you left st. Paul's I know that you were probably a multiple sport athlete there at st. Paul's what what sports did you play at St. Paul's, and did you ever envision yourself being a successful Alabama State Lady Hornet?
7: Um, I played volleyball, softball, and basketball. Um, each year, I kind of winged off of, of one and, and kind of went ahead and stuck with my my love for basketball. But uh, Coach Baker at uh, St. Paul's was uh, my coach um, and uh, I had a great four years under her. She was a great coach, huge huge inspiration to me um, and uh, volleyball was great. I remember um, <laughs> playing and, and uh, she was Coach Shokwis at the time. Uh, she encouraged me to play and uh, had a great run. Uh, we were super talented. Jennifer Bieber played on my team. Um, she went on to play for the University of Alabama but we got second in state so I think playing multiple sports is super important. I actually On the trail now, you know, we are recruiting girls, and if they want to play multiple sports, you know, I'm open to that at Bishop. I think it's important to be able to let kids have that platform uh, because some of them just can't choose between the two. So on the junior college level, you can come down and do that. Um, So um, overall, I think St. Paul's uh, was a huge part of who I have Become um, but going on to play basketball was a definitely a big a big thing for me um, I didn't necessarily see myself at Alabama State at the time, but I'll never forget I had a great game versus BC rain and as you know um, Crystal Kidd and Sophia Hinton were on that team against us and we had a heck of a game one year Went into triple overtime. I had like 36 or something. We ended up losing at the buzzer and Alabama State was there to see them But lo and behold, they saw me too. (laughs) So it ended up being great. Uh, We actually just had our basketball reunion at Alabama State. Uh, Crystal was there. And uh, just really, really awesome uh, what Alabama State and St. Paul's has done for me in my coaching career. You know, everything's connected.
2: Absolutely, everything is connected. And there, there's another person that's very familiar from an Alabama State standpoint, Darnell Kennedy. Yes. This past weekend, he is a former player at LaFleur High School, set all kind of records at Alabama State, and it was inducted into Alabama State's Hall of Fame. Yes. So I know you're very familiar with Darnell Kennedy, and it's always great to see those roots come from the 251.
7: Absolutely, yeah. Darnell is, is like a brother to me. He's married to one of my roots really, really good friends, Uh, Aisha Kennedy who is actually playing in her semifinal game today. She coaches at St. Francis High school in Georgia, so shout out to her. Um, she's also my my pro team. I own a pro team, uh, the Montgomery Lady Magic. She's also my head coach now. So when I say everything's connected, that's what I mean. <laughs> um, but uh, she also played at Alabama State as well. So we were all together this weekend. But yeah, Darnell, uh, he was a, a heck of an athlete, and uh, being able to have those roots from Mobile and and for us to be able to go to Alabama State and do great things and still be really connected to the university uh, has been amazing.
2: All right, Coach. Let everybody everybody know once again, when Bishop State Community College Lady Wildcats tip off again. And I know normally they could go to jockjive.com and watch you all's entire season. But is postseason play going to be available on jockjive as well? And let everybody know again, when the Bishop State Lady Wildcats will be taking the floor.
7: So we take the floor on March 8th, this Wednesday, March 8th at 12 noon at Alabama A&M University's new arena. Um, we play Calhoun Community College, and uh, our following game will be on the 9th and the 10th, um, so it's win or go home. Of course, uh, the games will be um, on Jock Joc. Uh and anybody that would like to see any coaches out there um, that are interested in, in, in grasping some junior college players, we do have some seniors that are still available. Um, they can go. We have a YouTube channel, uh, Bishop State. Athletics on YouTube and so all of our home games are on there. Uh, we have a website Bishop State Wildcats uh, for our athletic website with all the stats and everything so if you guys want to follow us on Instagram Twitter Facebook it's Bishop State WBB and uh, you know give us give us a, a, a follow and uh, we appreciate the support and, and thank you Corey for this opportunity And this platform
2: no question about it coach I, I've known you for a long time watched you play at st. Paul's watch you continue to develop at Alabama State and now here as the head women's basketball coach at Bishop State Community College and want to wish you the best in the tournament and moving forward and if there's anything we can ever do here on the final drive on WNSP you just let me know and again Go Lady Wildcats.
7: For sure. Thank you.
2: Coach Adra Harris joining us here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. When we come back, we'll wrap up our number two here of the final drive. Hi, I'm Joe Godfrey. I'm a big fan of 105.5 WNSP sports. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. And you never know who you're going to have an opportunity to rub shoulders with or who's going to walk through the lobby area. And executive director of the AHSAA, Alvin Briggs, kind enough to give us a couple minutes while before we go to this hard break. Mr. Briggs, thank you for taking time. And it's been an outstanding week of basketball. We're down to one day remaining, but there's been some great semifinals and final games and outstanding sportsmanship as well. First of
6: all, thank you, Corey, for having me on. Uh, it's always a joy to have a conversation with you. We all, we've had conversations before and uh, supporting you and what you do and what you do for high school athletes throughout the state of Alabama is amazing. Uh, You know, being here with, with both boys and girls at our state finals is awesome. I mean, we've had great games from Monday until today. Uh, We just got through watching a great uh, uh, championship game between Mittville and and Plainview, so it's just awesome. And, uh, you know, likewise with uh, with, uh, Plainview, it goes down to the last two seconds. You know, uh, it it was just exciting have everybody in the the NDC. You know what's great about it? Is that those two programs, the coaches and the players all hugged each other after the game, they gave, they gave it all they had, and they both left, you know, knowing that they both were winners, but somebody had to walk away with the trophy. And, you know, most of the time you have situations where somebody wants to show unsportsmanlike, but it wasn't. I mean, it's what we live for. It's what we, you know, I, that if we could take that and bottle that up and just give it to everybody, give it to everybody that's in our communities, that's what we want.
2: Not only that, Coach, you know, Aliceville defeats St. Luke's by one point. The same type of effort was demonstrated. Everybody left it all on the floor, and it was just a phenomenally played contest. And, Coach, I want to thank you for allowing me to be the PA announcer here at the BJCC for a few of these games because I feed off of the crowd's energy. And I know you guys as a staff, y'all love it when the crowd show up and show out for these communities. They empty out. Some of these towns only have one stop sign in their community. But I tell you what what the entire community comes out and supports both the boys and girls
6: you know our, our schools have the greatest show on, on earth i don't i don't care about whatever you think about your professional team what is, whatever sport it is but our communities support our schools and that's what we want and this week we've had 42 communities here you know, showing their support for their teams. You know, the reason I say 42, we need to fit six teams. We had two of them to double up. Sure. We had seven of them to double up. Sure. So we have those communities that are here supporting their teams, both male and female. And then we had communities outside those communities yeah. supporting them. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, that because so-and-so, and that's my cousin. That's my mm-hmm. nephew. Even though I'm, I'm this color, I, I like this. And they're here supporting it. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want. That's what high school athletics is about. That's what makes high school athletics so pure and, and what we need to make sure we keep it such a pure and amateur sport.
2: Well, you've done a phenomenal job this week, and you will continue to do so. Spring sports, this is the last winter sport that we have. Spring sports are upon us, and I know the spring championships, will come hot and heavy, but want to thank you and everything that you and the AHSAA office are continuing to do along with your central board members and the rest of your staff doing a phenomenal job this week here at Legacy Arena.
6: I want to thank you, my friend, because you are the one putting all this out there for everybody to hear about our high school athletes.
2: My pleasure. Alvin Briggs, Executive Director of the AHSAA, joining us this afternoon here on The Final Drive. We'll be back. With Jim Nagy coming up at five o'clock. He'll give us a little bit of taste of what's going on at the NFL Combine and what he's seen from some of his Reese's senior bowl invitees. The final drive with Corey LeBounty and Michael Bronner on WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5, our number three. And we've had a phenomenal show for you so far. Mike Davis joined us. And, of course, he is the head coach at Detroit Mercy and his son, Antoine Davis had an opportunity to sit here and break Pistol Pete Maravich's scoring record but came up a little bit short of doing so last night. He his team did lose 71 to 66. He had 22 points, but I'm hoping that Antoine Davis will still have an opportunity to set that record now when you start looking at Pistol Pete being able to set that record without a three-point line That's the difference and pistol Pete able to do it in three years of course when he was in school freshmen weren't allowed to play varsity contests, but three thousand six hundred and sixty four points is still impressive no matter how you look at it, but Mike Davis joined us at 3.30 to talk about his son and how happy he was to have an opportunity to coach his son. We also had Mark Hudspeth, the head football coach at Gulf Shores, joining us to talk about the departure of his defensive coordinator, Paul Rhodes, who is heading back to the collegiate ranks and Boston College is where paul rhodes will be heading back to we also were joined by adra harris she is the women's basketball coach at bishop state community college and jim nagy is scheduled to join us he just let me know he's still in indianapolis at the combine and they're currently running 40 so He'll give us a call back when the defensive backs finish their 40-yard dash But I also will say this it was a tough day for the st. Luke's Wildcats as they lose to Aliceville 44 to 43 and St. Luke's was out rebounded and that was the difference 41 to 28 and Aliceville was able to come up with 20 offensive rebounds in the contest. And that really was the difference. St. Luke's was 10 out of 12 from the free throw line. And Aliceville was only 10 out of 21. And Tigerian Williams, who hit the free throw, the go-ahead free throw, at the point in time when he hit the go-ahead free throw, had only been one out of seven from the free throw line, had had an air ball and was really rattled at the free throw line, but he found a way to make the free throw that counted the most for Aliceville as the Yellow Jackets go on to become 2A state champions and win 44 to 43. We also were talking High school football about Bobby Parrish stepping down as the head coach yesterday at Cottage Hill And of course Steve mass being named the new head football coach at Theodore high school, but a lot of 40s times that have been Unbelievable in the combines Mike and I know also a lot of money being thrown around in the nfl for these current stars and the future stars in the nfl they're trying to make their money by having an outstanding combine
3: yeah i mean, the 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 40 times are what's going to make the headlines I, I don't necessarily think that they are super important depending on position i it, it really just depends i i think there's always every year a, a general overreaction of 40 times like for example, Will Anderson most plays is not going to be running 40 yards. You know, I think his 10 second burst is more important than his 40 time. Uh, but that, that's, you know, 40 times is uh, what, what, what grabs the headlines for whatever reason. That's just always how it's been.
2: Well, also, how it's been is when you do get to the NFL and you do well teams place a franchise tag on you and that was looks to be the case for josh jacobs the formerly university of alabama running back and again i think that it's it's very important when you start leading the nfl in rushing whether it be one year or any year that means that not only have you tried to earn yourself a paycheck but you better get it while the getting is good
3: Yeah, that was an interesting headline today, especially, I I mean, what was it, the last couple weeks of the season? Josh Jacobs kind of went into a press conference and said, Think he used some expletives in uh, in his little tirade, but that he was he was tired of this. He was tired of the it, not, without directly saying it. Seemed like he was tired of the losing culture around the Raiders, and seemed like the writing was on the wall for for him to go somewhere else. While he doesn't have any control if the Raiders choose to use a franchise tag, it's his choice whether he's going to play on the franchise tag or not. Uh, you know, I, if you look back at like a Le'Veon Bell situation, I guess that worked out for him financially. It didn't really work out for him on the field. But yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see see what happens with Josh Jacobs. Running backs are so so much less valued now, even than they were three, four, five years ago. So if you're a running back and you have the opportunity, uh, Josh Jacobs is sitting at an opportunity to get paid. uh, You know, I think you got to capitalize that on that while you can, you know, he's still young and in the prime of his career and, uh, you know, running backs are replaceable. So, you know, if you're able to get paid, no one, no one's handing a running back a $70 million contract anymore, but, uh, you know, get, get what you can for sure.
2: The franchise tag players. When you have that exclusive tag, it means players can't negotiate with other teams. The value of the one year deer is based on the average of the top five salaries at that position and a non-exclusive tag, players can negotiate with other teams, and tagging team has the option to match that offer sheet or receive two first-round picks if they decline, but that franchise tag looked like Josh Jacobs is definitely going to have it and he just shows his versatility and I think that when he was in that stable of running backs at the University of Alabama he was waiting for his breakthrough opportunity to show why he belonged in the NFL and he's just a compact bowling ball that I think if he stays healthy he'll continue to have a lot of success for the Raiders and continue to I'm not going to say put up Derrick Henry type of number. Numbers, but again, just showed that how versatile he can be coming out of the backfield, catching passes, as well as running in between the tackles or bouncing to the outside because Josh Jacobs just has that total package as a running back, period.
3: Yeah, I mean, he, he you could argue he probably had the best season of any running back in the league this year. He, he was phenomenal behind an offensive line that, you know, was nothing to write home about in Las Vegas by by any stretch. And obviously the offense as a whole wasn't very good. The team just wasn't very good. Uh, so, but again, the general trend, if you look at, you know, the last 20 Super Bowl winning teams, none of them, literally none of them, have a, have a highly paid running back, so... Again, if I'm Josh Jacobs, yes, I, I I do want to cash in, but I I also want to win football games. So you know, it's a, he'll have to he'll have to weigh that.
2: I know that the Giants are looking to weigh some options also, and that he, their quarterback Daniel Jones. Whether you think he's worth the money or not, I personally think that he's continued to get better as an NFL quarterback, but. I know the Giants are ready to go ahead and pay him some big bucks as well.
3: Well, I should hope he's gotten better. He was the worst quarterback in the league for his first two <laughs> years. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a low bar to say he's gotten better. But in all seriousness, he, he was he was good-ish this year. Uh, and the Giants, I, I think Brian Dable was phenomenal. The Giants obviously overachieved. It, it, it's just an interesting conversation because – you know, if you're a bad football team, and I, I'm still saying, I don't care that they made the playoffs and won a game. The Giants are a bad football team. That's a bad roster that has a lot of holes and a lot of things that need to be fixed. If you're a bad football team, it's almost the worst thing for you long term is to overachieve and win some games. I'm sorry, Daniel Jones, $40 million a year. Yeah, he had an okay season, and Brian Dable has unlocked a, a level of him that that, that wasn't previously there. But I think that's about as... And again, you surround Daniel Jones with some talent. Sure. I mean, the offense could be okay, but you're severely handcuffing the talent you can surround him with by paying Daniel Jones $40 million. So there's just so many angles there. And I know $40 million today isn't what $40 million was even three years ago, but it's just... Daniel Jones is about to be the ninth quarterback in NFL history to get a $40 million average annual, average annual value in that contract. It's just... And I, I go and draft the guy again and and tell Daniel Jones thanks but good luck and, and sorry but th- this just isn't going to happen I I just I de- Daniel Jones man he he's okay he's not bad he's serviceable he can run he can do some things but 40 million
2: Well, I know that we'll be talking with someone who covers the Giants a little bit closer than we do. Ryan Dunley will kind of give us a breakdown on what the Giants have accomplished and are accomplishing, so that'll be interesting. Again, Daniel Jones threw for 3,205 yards this year, 15 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. Getting better, uh, like you said, does he have to get better? Absolutely, he has to get better without question, and I think that we will find out what the buzz is going around not only the Giants, but some other franchises as well here very shortly. But the the Giants aren't the only team that are really having an opportunity to spend money, Mike. I I think that quarterback, of course, is a position to where you know that you have to spend. And you mentioned the value of the quarterback versus the running back. I think that that's very interesting also. And at the combine, we talked about quarterbacks versus running Back money. Stetson Bennett has an opportunity to step to the podium today and talk a little bit about what he feels, or the DUI situation with him and how he goes ahead, or public intoxication rather, how he wanted to go ahead and address that public intoxication arrest back in January.
3: Yeah, it will be interesting to see how he how he does address that, or because. Uh, could have been here in mobile but you know i'll i'll leave it at that level of shade for for stetson bennett everyone makes mistakes i i should just hope that if you're a 24 year old or 25 he might be even nfl prospect you're a little bit more responsible than that but uh stetson you know made uh made a night full of mistakes as it appears but you know i we'll we'll see what happens we'll see if a, a team is willing to look past that
2: Well, one of the interesting comments that he did make was he was closer to going to the Shrine Bowl than the Senior Bowl. And he said it was more so the Shrine Bowl. It wasn't really the Senior Bowl. I really wanted to play in the Shrine Bowl. There was a lot going on at the moment. I discussed it with people that are close to me. Best advice decided it was that I needed to go train, needed to get better. That's a quote from Stetson Bennett, as to why he did not participate or come to the Reese's Senior Bowl.
3: Yeah, I don't have the list of quarterbacks from the Shrine Bowl in front of me. I I can't remember what quarterbacks were there, but, I mean, he certainly, I don't know if he would have been the best quarterback in terms of talent, but he certainly would have been the biggest name at the Senior Bowl. I mean, we're talking about Jaron Hall and Jake Hayner, and I mean, he would have been the biggest name. He would have had an opportunity to you know show show what he can do in front of some guys that you know are certainly not bad players by any stretch but guys that are not marquee names and you would have we would have sold some tickets for the city of mobile but I, that that is an interesting comment about about the shrine bowl
2: no doubt about it and when we come back On the final drive on WNSP 105.5, we'll continue talking. NFL, the combines trying to, again, wait on Jim Nagy to finish up, watching the defensive back run their 40 yard dash. And you're listening to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5.
1: War Eagles, this is Butch Thompson, head baseball coach at Auburn University. You're listening to
2: WNSP. (laughs) welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5 here at Legacy Arena in Birmingham, Alabama Reggie Ragland has stopped by, I was able to see him coming through, and he was generous enough with his time. And Reggie Ragland, again, a national champion at the University of Alabama, currently with the Cleveland Browns. Reggie, good evening, and thanks for stopping by the final drive here on WNSP
8: get super bowl champion now, oh, oh yes super bowl now. champion
2: <laughs> now you can't get super bowl champion you know you see me i'm taking alabama but the big picture is national champion on top of world champion you can't beat that and again how are things going for reggie Ragland today
8: man it's going good man i'm i'm enjoying the process of still getting opportunity to play the game i love man and Still trying to be a good person at the same at the same time. So, you know, I love coming out here and watching basketball because when I was younger in high school, I got to play um, in the state championship twice. Lost one and won one. So, man, I'm thankful. And uh, Ronnie Staple that coaches at uh, Westminster. He coached my brothers back in high school when he was at Grissom. Yes. And they won a the state championship in uh, Yeah, Marvin Stone. Yes. You remember Chris White? Yeah, I I do, Marvin. So, matter of fact, at LaFleur, I coached at LaFleur,
2: and Marvin Stone and Grissom and us beat us. So, yes.
8: Yeah, so my brother was Chris White. He won Mr. Basketball Alabama, too. (laughs) And, uh, man, uh, I just remember as a kid wanting to go to Wallace State, watching them and play. So, I got my opportunity, so I had to run with it when I did get my opportunity. But, for the most part, man, I love coming out here and just watching basketball. Reggie Raglin, again, currently with the
2: Cleveland Browns, a world champion, a national champion. And I tell you, when you sit and you watch the Kansas City Chiefs and what they were able to accomplish, I know that when you won it the first time, I'm from Mobile, Alabama, okay? Of course, uh, with that being said, Kadarius Tony, when oh, you man. see him be traded to the Chiefs with Cheetah li- leaving, okay, and coming in and Kadarius fitting that piece, I think to me Kadarius, perfect fit there for the Kansas right. City Chiefs.
8: You know, I was with Kadarius in New York when he first got yes. drafted. And I we've seen it there, but it was all about opportunity and getting it with a system that really fits us to be honest The Giants didn't fit him you know with Joe judge and even if it court even with Brian the so but Andy Reid is the guru again guys the football <laughs> and even though he came in the middle of the season man You give them a training camp OTAs Man, then going into the season, like you're going to really see Kaderis make his stride and become one of the top players in the league. Maybe he might be the... Top five receiver next year, and, and we coach. Uh, we really get his hands on it for it.
2: You're a multi-sport athlete in high school. A little baseball, basketball on top of football. Again, I know you just love athletics. But we talked about how one sport can help the other. And you mentioned we're mentioning how basketball helped you in
8: football. Yeah, man. You know you gotta have you gotta be able to have hips in uh, each sport. So playing basketball, you gotta move your feet. Uh, you gotta be able to run the floor really fast and. And Like you said, just more so moving your hips because that's the biggest thing about playing football You got to be able to tackle in space. You got to be able to tackle somebody when they cut back And you got to be able to run also, too So man, uh, basketball helped me out a lot even baseball, too You know, you got to come through with the bat and swing your hips So that's one way how I got good hips, too So in a uh, handout coordination out there playing the game, man, so Man, I tell all the kids out there don't ever let a coach tell you not to play multi-sports, man <laughs> Multi
2: sports are big time for these young athletes and not to quit on one sport but to continue to excel at others. You go from football to basketball to track and field or vice versa, all of yeah. them you can succeed in. But Reggie Ragland, I'm not gonna hold you any longer. I just wanted to get and let our listening audience hear from you and how are things gonna be going in Cleveland? Do you do you feel that's a great fit for Reggie Ragland to play football to continue to be one of the dogs and what's it like playing in the dog pound wow.
8: man ain't gonna lie. Um, It was fun. I'm not gonna lie uh, But I, I was just happy just to get back to play the game yes. And they made it so easy for me with um a B the GM then, uh The head coach of then everybody man. So for the for the most part man I hope I sign back with them this year uh, To be able to continue because that team has everything you need just missing a few pieces and, yeah, man, once once everything locks in with Deshaun Watson, being able to get uh, full OTAs and camp with that team, man, the sky's the limit for the Browns, most definitely. Well, I tell you, we want to
2: wish you the best moving forward. We want you to stay healthy, and we'll give you a big roll-tide roll. And I tell you what I'll never do. I'll never forget to not put world champion on top of national champion, on top of state champion. Show that respect to Reggie Ragland and the respect that he's earned, and he very well deserves Reggie Ragland joining us this afternoon on the final drive. Thank you very much, sir. Oh, thank you for having me. Reggie Ragland joining us this afternoon here on the final drive on KSB
5: 105.5. This is Reese Mukes. You're listening to 105.5 wmsb
2: Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with Michael Brauner producing this show, taking your telephone calls at 251-694-1055. We want to thank everyone throughout this entire week who called into the show and were able to pick up those free boat tickets at the Mobile Convention Center this weekend. Again, want to hope that you really enjoyed that as that's one of the things in this great Weather that Mobile, Alabama is experiencing in early March. Go out to the boat show this weekend and enjoy that. And somebody who's not in hot water is our next guest, Ryan Dunleavy, an NFL reporter for the New York Post Sports. And Ryan, welcome to our show this afternoon, The Final Drive. And a lot of things going on in free agency and one just so happens to be with the type of money that Daniel Jones is trying to request. I think, Mike, we lost Ryan right there. We'll try to get him back and it's one of those situations when we were going to break that Daniel Jones in the situation where at $45 Forty five million dollars is what may be required to keep him under contract. Forty five million per year is what he is seeking and we'll get an opportunity to talk to Ryan Dunleavy about the money that is going around. But it was good to talk to Reggie Raglan. And again, here being in Birmingham at the Legacy Arena, watching high school athletics, you see so many dual-sport athletes or athletes that are formerly in the NFL, currently in the NFL, enjoying their season, having an opportunity to be here. Reggie Ragland, one of those. And we want to welcome... Again to the show Trying to connect Michael Do we have him Ryan Dunleavy I'm here guys Ryan welcome to the final Drive we were talking about the money That Daniel Jones has Been requesting and Is he really worth that Type of money and whether he is Or he isn't I think at the End of the day Daniel Jones has Found a home in New York with the Giants
1: well, he's definitely going to be the quarterback this season because at worst case, he'll receive the franchise tag for $32 million. Uh, has he found a long-term home? We'll see if they reach a deal by Tuesday to avoid the franchise tag, guys. Uh, he started off asking for $45 million a year. He changed agents. He went up to $48 million a year. Giants certainly aren't going to pay anything in that ballpark. Uh, they were hoping to get it done for about 35 million dollars a year. Obviously, if you meet in the middle there, you're probably talking about 40 million dollars a year. And there's ways to structure a contract so that uh, uh, you can actually have it average closer to 38, 39, and then inflate a year at the end. That isn't guaranteed, so everybody wins, and Giants get more what they want in terms of guaranteed money, and Daniel can say. His uh, average annual salary starts with a four, which apparently has been big to his camp this whole time.
2: Well, not only his money and the situation, the Giants in general, upcoming for the draft, I know that it's an opportunity for the franchise to continue to get better. What would you think would be the Giants' biggest need as they're approaching here this 2023 draft?
1: Oh, they have a lot of them. For a playoff team, they really have. For a playoff team, they really have a lot of needs. Uh, wide receiver and cornerback are probably one A and one B, and those are places that it's very dangerous to be short sure. in today's pass-heavy NFL. Uh, they got away with it last year. I wouldn't recommend doing it again. Inside linebacker, uh, guard, those are probably four places that you could start and say the Giants could really upgrade. Uh, Luckily for them, there's probably going to be a pretty good corner or a pretty good receiver available at 25 because the top of this draft is very uh, quarterback-heavy, offensive line-heavy. Um, you could see some tight ends, so that could push down maybe the second cornerback or the third cornerback or the first, even the first or second receiver into their range.
3: Ryan, the Giants are in a really interesting spot here. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was you who who we had on before the season, and we talked about how they were probably going to be pretty bad.
1: (laughs) I picked them to win four games.
3: I thought it it was you. I I thought so. I mean, rightfully so. That's that's what everyone had them at. You know, I'm not calling you out or anything. This is – Make no mistake about it. This is a bad roster. But obviously, they overachieved this season. Brian Dable, uh, I don't care what the awards say. He was the best. He was the best coach in the league this season by far. But again, this is a bad roster, and I don't think Daniel Jones is this great quarterback by any means. But. They overachieved, and Daniel Jones looked obviously significantly better from what he's been. So are, are the Giants, do they feel like they're in a spot now where they're, they almost have to pay Daniel Jones? Like, why is the idea of just saying thank you for what you've done and we're going to move on and draft another guy? I, I feel like that's the most logical thing to do here.
1: A uh, couple things. One, I don't think it's a bad roster. I thought it was a bad roster last year. I don't think so. I think you saw a lot of guys take a lot of steps. Like, I wouldn't have said that Dexter Lawrence is a top defensive tackle, or Andrew Thomas is an all pro caliber left tackle, or um, Julian Love is an every down starter. Like, I think a lot of guys took a lot of steps, and that was credit to what not just Dable, but I think was probably the NFL's best coaching staff coordinators through position coaches this year. really got the most out of the team. Uh, The front office did a tremendous job finding guys on waiver wires who became impact starters. Uh, The pro personnel staff just did a terrific job. Um, As for the Jones component of that, guys, what I would say is, look, they were a nine-win team. It's hard to sell to your fan base. We're going to draft a quarterback and start over. (laughs) The worst team in the league for five years running – Finally showed some progress, and now we're going to start over with a rookie. is a hard sell. Plus, when you do that, there's no guarantee that your rookie quarterback is going to be any good. They have a quarterback who is probably in the 10 to 15 range in the NFL. Uh, if you build around him, maybe you could win a championship like Joe Flacco won a championship in Baltimore. Uh, but you could certainly be an annual playoff team with Daniel Jones. So that's why they're going to keep him. And I, I, I mean. million a year sounds outrageous, but by the time Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts all sign their extensions in the next six months, it probably won't even be top 10 quarterback money. So, yeah, it's outrageous. I would probably franchise tag him, but uh, that really hamstrings what you can do to build the rest of your roster.
2: Reggie Ragland was just here with us in Birmingham, Alabama, talking about the Giants making the transition away from Kadarius Tony and being that fit. I mean. It's obvious, for whatever reason, Kadarius just did not fit into that system. But going to see Kadarius Toney win a Super Bowl, that's the type of money that I know the Giants were hoping and the type of production that they were hoping that Kadarius would have. And why don't you think Kadarius Tony fit really well in New York?
1: Yeah, that is a, that is a great question. I know this is Kadarius Tony's hometown too, right? So yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. <laughs> so there's a lot of Kadarius Tony listeners, I'm sure, right now. So <laughs> absolutely. Here's what I'll here's what I'll, here's what I'll say. Um, Kadarius Tony had a chance here with two different coaching staff, Had a very hard time staying on the field. What uh, injuries uh, mounted? Uh, just had a hard time. You know, the first coaching staff that was here didn't feel like he had a strong command of the playbook. Um, so he had a very hard time getting on and staying on the field. He showed flashes with the Giants just like he showed flashes with the Chiefs. And, look, he, you could make a very strong case that he was the second most valuable player on the winning team in the Super Bowl. That said, that team has no receivers. And Kadarius Tony still only got, I think, six snaps in the Super Bowl so he was still like a gadget player for the Chiefs on a team that definitely needed him to be more than that uh, the Giants needed a number one receiver they don't have a Travis Kelsey <clears throat> you know they don't have somebody they don't even have a Juju Smith-Schuster really so the Giants needed a number one receiver that wasn't going to be canaries. Uh he landed in the perfect spot I think his personality might not have in the right uh, fit for New York with the intense scrutiny, especially that comes with being a first round pick in Kansas city. He can go to a place. He doesn't have to be the star first round pick. He can just blend in and he can, that offense will accentuate the electric abilities he has. I mean, just get him in open space and let him run the ball. That's not what the giants were looking to do with him. They needed a high volume receiver. Uh, in Kansas City, he can really just be a, wow, holy crap, what did Kadarius Tony just do kind of player.
3: Talking to Ryan Dunleavy of the New York Post. Ryan, switching from one New York team to the other, the Jets are a team that probably you could say if they had just even average quarterback play this season, they would have been a playoff team at the minimum. So, I I mean, I I don't really buy the Rodgers stuff. I mean, no one knows what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. But if you were to make a prediction on the Jets quarterback situation, I know that's a hard question, but uh, what what are you thinking as of right now?
1: Aaron Rodgers. Oh, wow. (laughs) Uh, I have a very, very hard time believing that he is going to walk away from that amount of money. <laughs> um, my conversations here with people at the combine, uh, <clears throat> the number one thing that keeps coming up is how did the NFL not learn from Tom Brady's free agency a couple years ago when only the chargers and bucks were really making a push for the you know greatest quarterback of all time. We see these teams, The Patriots are going to stick with Mac Jones. The Titans are going to stick with Ryan Tannehill. You know, to a lesser degree, maybe the Dolphins are going to stick with Tua or the um, Colts are going to stick with Matt Ryan. I mean, like, why aren't more teams involved in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes? I don't know. It seems like it's the Jets or bust. I guess he's going to come to the Jets because I don't think he's going to walk away. It sounds like Green Bay wants to move on. Really, the question for me is, does Aaron Rodgers want to literally follow in Brett Favre's footsteps to go from great Packer to the Jets is literally Aaron Rodgers. He's obviously not been a huge fan of living in his shadow his whole career up there. If you're going to want to do this, make the same exact career path, maybe he hates that idea. Maybe he loves that idea and says, "Look, I'll take him to the playoffs. I'll lead him deep like Brett didn't, And that's what'll differentiate me. I
2: want to thank you, Ryan Dunleavy, for just taking the time out of your busy schedule on this fantastic Friday here on WNSP 105.5 in the final drive and we'll continue to follow to see what route the Jets and the Giants are going to go as the NFL draft is less than a or about a month away here and if people want to find out coverage because we do still have plenty of Jets and Giants fans along the Gulf Coast they want to find out what's going on in your neck of the woods how can they do so. I
1: Appreciate you asking me that. Yeah. Uh, NYPost.com has all our Giants and Jets coverage. You won't find any more of it anywhere, quantity quantity or quality. And uh, for me personally, I'm at R-Y-D-U-N-L-E-A-V-Y. The first two letters of Ryan and then the last name of the basketball family, Dunleavy, on Twitter.
2: Ryan Dunleavy on the final drive here on this fantastic Friday on WNSP 105.5. We'll come back and put the finishing touches here at Legacy Arena in Birmingham, Alabama.
5: Hey, this is
8: Jake Coker, quarterback at Alabama. So when I'm listening to the radio. I'm listening to WNSP. <laughs>
2: Welcome back to The Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LaBounty along with Michael Brauner Outstanding Friday show for you. Mike Davis joined us at 3.30 to talk about his son Antoine Davis coming up short of Pistol Pete's record. We had Mark Hudson, the head coach at Gulf Shores talking about Paul Rhodes departure as his defensive coordinator from Gulf Shores. Also, Adra Harris the head women's basketball coach at Bishop State Community College joined us along with Reggie Ragland from the Cleveland Browns and he was again, let me put that respect on his name. He was a national champion. He was a world champion along with the high school state champion also Ryan Dunleavy from the New York Post Sports also joining us today on the final drive and St. Luke's boys come up one point short of winning a two-way boys state championship. Alice Field defeats them 44-43 and of course we have South Alabama taking on the number one ranked team in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. That game will be tomorrow at 1130. We we also have Alabama taking on Texas A&M and Auburn hosting Tennessee, Mike. So a lot going on this weekend in college basketball as we start the SEC tournament coming up, the women's tournament going on now. But we'll continue to talk about things that are going on with March Madness. Yeah, huge day tomorrow. Must
3: win for Auburn. Uh, you know, for Alabama, it's an interesting one because you we haven't really talked about it at all. Uh, obviously, they locked up the SEC title on, on Wednesday and uh, don't really have much to gain uh, at A&M. But that being said, uh, I believe Nate Oates is 0-2 against Buzz Williams uh, and since he's been in the SEC. Uh, I think Reed Arena in College Station is the only arena he hasn't won in. So... Yeah, there's there's some pride on the line there for sure. There, it's not like they're going to come in there and uh, and rest starters or anything like that. You know, you no, want to you want to no, play well headed into the postseason, so.
2: Definitely pride on the line, Mike. But again, how can people go back and listen to the podcast of today's show, where they can listen to Mike Davis or Mark Hudspeth or Adra Harris or Reggie Ragland or Jim Dunleavy on today's show? Yeah, check us out WNSP
3: now wherever you get our whatever wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever else. So WNSP now you can find Final Drive, Opening Kickoff, uh, John Ricchetti, Tommy Prater, whatever you're looking for. Uh, as well as steven root and nick wiggins's double team and uh a bunch of other online exclusive content as well so check us out wnsp
2: now don't want to miss that and this is the final drive on a fantastic friday for michael Bronner. i'm Corey labounty we'll talk to you on monday three o'clock